How's it, guys? It's Amara Garda, and you're listening to My Futile Optimism, episode 16. I am sorry that this episode is coming out a little bit later than usual. The reason for this is because I am a fully vaxxed host, and that means that I need some extra time to sleep and to... Um, introduce the vaccine into my body. So I woke up at like 1 p.m. only because my dad came to check if I was alive. And yeah, I might have not woken up at all today. And you might not have had an episode to listen to. So thanks to my dad. Anyway, I am okay. I'm good. I am, I think, more excited now that I'm fully vaccinated than I am in pain. Um, My arm is a little bit floppy and I have a headache and as I said, I've been sleeping all day. But I shan't give the vaccine all the credit for making me as tired as I currently am. I did also happen to sleep at 3am this morning. And the reason was because I was trying to finish Squid Game. And um... The whole show is like nine hours in total. I was watching like two or three episodes a day, slowly working my way through it. And then there's like a turning point, you know, in movies and books and series where once you pass that point, you can't stop. Like you have to know what happens. You have to know the ending. In real life, I feel like that turning point is like 30. When you turn age 30, you just have to know what's happening next, you know. I'm far from that. Uh, Thank goodness. But I literally just could not sleep until I found out what happened in the ending of Squid Game. So I watched that. Yo, dude. I watched that the whole time last night. And then after I watched it, I needed to, you know, read some of the analysis and see what was happening in the film critique space. And yeah, that explains my non-existent sleeping pattern. I feel like I will probably need about five years to recover from this sleeping pattern mess up. But it's fine. It's okay. It was most definitely worth it. And we are going to speak about some things in Squid Game today. You needn't have watched Squid Game already to listen to this episode. I will try my best not to give spoilers. But um, yeah, you should probably watch Squid Game at some stage, not because of this podcast, but just because general life requires you. It's like a rite of passage as a human being. So you got to do what you got to do. I was trying to avoid watching Squid Game mainly because it contains two of my least favorite things. Number one is blood. Number two is blood. No, I'm kidding. Number two is subtitles. I don't generally watch movies and series that are not in English because I am lazy to read subtitles and I know I know that I'm missing out a lot and I can just watch dubbed versions. The dubbed versions annoy me because I can see that the mouth does not match the words and I already get enough of you know you say one thing but you do another in real life so I really don't feel like exposing myself to that in movies and series. So I generally just avoid movies that are not in English. But Squid Game, I needed to, I I had to. And it wasn't even because of the peer pressure. It was more the general FOMO, 
um, it seemed like something that was right up my alley, you know, apart from those two major, major obstacles that I just mentioned. But whatever, I braved it out and I watched it. And here I am, nine hours later, trying to tell the tale of my experience watching it. So if you have not watched it and if you are scared of blood, I recommend keeping your hand quite nearby to your phone. Uh, if you're watching it on TV, bruh, like I don't know how to help you. But I basically covered the entire screen with my hand every single time there was blood. And I just carried on reading the subtitles. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure I have some pretty good biceps now because there's a lot of blood. So there's a lot of covering the screen that I had to do. Um, yeah, you can figure out how you can get around it if you're scared of blood. But I think most people generally are not as afraid of it as I am. So hopefully everyone else that listens to this podcast will be fine. To give you a sense though of just how much blood there is in this series, it's kind of like when you're in Joburg and it's a beautiful sunny day and you're having like a picnic with your family at the zoo lake and all of a sudden there's just one cloud that just decides to invite itself to your braai and you can't escape the rain. It just floods down on your face, on your food, on your car, on the grass, on your blanket. Like, no one is safe from that rain. Um, that is kind of the amount of blood that happens in in this series. There's just like a cloud of blood that's like there all the time. So a lot of people get killed. Um, a lot of people get hurt. And I don't know how many liters of fake movie blood they used, but I am pretty sure that that was probably the most expensive thing in the entire set. And obviously like 99% of the dialogue is in Korean. There are some English speaking characters, but they are mostly annoying and not there for long. Um, despite the abundance of these two disgusting things, none of them disgusted me as much as the accurate portrayal of capitalism itself. Because actual capitalism disgusts me you know how when you are alive and you're watching like a story play out in real life and then you hear that they're making like a biopic or something afterwards or you read a book and then a few years after the book comes out they're turning it into a big motion picture and you're so excited but you know, you know that they will have to leave out some details and that it's not going to be a super accurate picture of whatever it is you read or witnessed. This is the exact opposite. Every single thing that we know about day-to-day -day life under capitalism is portrayed wonderfully in the series. And there's something quite disgusting about watching it on a screen, even though living it is pretty damn gross as well. Um, it's really harrowing, I think, to, to watch it in a way that's like, you're, you're kind of a bit removed, but also not, because it just feels too real, you know? It just feels like... The story is way too honest. And I guess as human beings, um, our desire for escapism makes these things very scary and difficult to cope with. But whatever, once you get over the realism of it, which you never really do, um, you can actually see the story in all of its critique and you realize just what an absolute masterpiece it is. I'm going to give a very, very brief synopsis for anyone that has not seen it and or does not want to see it. So, Squid Game. 
It's a Korean series which follows the life of a person named Jiyun. He is in a massive amount of debt. As most of us can vividly relate, indebtedness means that you pretty much have to do absolutely anything you can to pay off that debt and to simultaneously live a life. So what he does is, in his desperation, he willingly goes to a game. When he gets there, he finds out, obviously, that there are other players, 455 other players to be exact, and it's basically like a series of different games. They play six games in total, and whoever wins the games at the end gets billions of one. I mean, that doesn't sound so bad, you know, deal deal or no deal vibes. Who wants to be a millionaire, whatever those games are called, um, except that there is quite a hefty price to pay. I'm not going to spoil it and I'm not going to explain the ending, but basically it's a room of adults that have to play kids games and normally the result of losing a kids game is that you'll get teased at, you might go home and cry, um, your parents might buy you ice cream if they feel bad for you or they might make fun of you if they don't care, it depends, but in this entire series if you lose the game you get eliminated. You can figure out what eliminated means by yourself. Generally, I am very competitive in every single game that I play. I will be a sore loser if I lose. But I don't feel so bad anymore because I'm a sore loser and the people in the series are dead losers. Too soon? I guess too soon since all of them are late. Ah, okay, I'm done now. I'm so sorry. Um, making dumb jokes is my coping mechanism for capitalism and I recommend you get one as well. Anyway, the absurdity of the desperation that all of the people participating in these games are in is just really difficult to watch. I think it's because a part of us knows how realistic it is and the other part of us tries really hard to ignore that desperation in real life. So when we do witness people who are struggling to a similar extent, um, sometimes those people can't even be us. We try our best to, you know, ignore the severity of the situation. And if we are doing better than others, then it's almost like the constant reminder that someone else is suffering is inconvenient and is somehow dampening our success. And I guess it's rooted in this idea that, you know, some of us deserve to be better off and whatever your status in life is, it's based purely on what you've done to get there and how hard you have worked and how much effort you have put in. Ignoring, you know, all of these structural problems, ignoring that pretty much everyone has an equal chance of being absolutely destitute and I mean that 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 refers to everyone except those who are obviously born into wealth. So I guess we want to ignore those who have less than us because on the one hand there are so many that have more than us so you know why should we feel bad um, but on the other hand we we do feel bad because we know deep down that the status that we have is not actually a reflection of what we deserve over and above other people. You know, I think all of us can agree that there's a certain level of humaneness and a certain level of humanity that everyone should be entitled to. And sometimes on paper, everyone is entitled to. 
But when we see that in real life it doesn't look like that, we kind of hope that if we just keep quiet and keep our heads down and don't make too much of a fuss, that we can live as comfortable a life as possible. Whereas if we start noticing and actively even working to fix these conditions, then we firstly may lose everything that we have. But um, it also is an emotional toll that, that, that you'll take on because you are opening yourself up to these severe issues of starvation, of, as I said earlier, desperation, you know, to a point where people will sign away their bodily rights because they need money and, and that's that's all they can do. You know, that's the only option left. The problem, I guess, is number one, you need money to do absolutely everything. And number two, the ways to get money are very limited and pretty much always require you to sell parts of yourself that either you're not comfortable selling or you don't get to decide the price at which you can sell them. And that that includes labor, that includes bodies, that includes your own, you know, artistic creations. That's, I guess, why it's also really dumb when people look down on sex workers because they assume that they are somehow morally better than those who have to sell sexual favors for money. But all of us are selling different parts of ourselves. And no, I'm not going to get into, you know, the religious discussions about sex work. That's not what this episode is about. It's meant to get you to think about the lack of choice that we're given in the society. You think you have choice because you can study whatever you want. And, you know, you're, you're choosing your own path and you're choosing your own future. But... But really, you don't have choices. You can't choose to not work. You can't choose to work in a profession that gives you such little money that you can't make ends meet. You know, there's certain qualifications that come with you can choose whatever you want. And I guess that's like the biggest lie that capitalism tells us. But the people that perpetuate that lie, um, those people are ourselves. My seven-year-old nephew who was on the podcast last week, we often complain about how things cost money because he'll ask his mom something like, please, can you get me that toy? Or I saw this other boy at school has this new device and it looks so cool. How much does it cost? And I mean, generally things are expensive and specifically things for kids because I guess the market, <laughs> the market knows that parents have like an uphill battle raising kids and then trying to say no to every single thing that kids want and desire. Um, That's just not a good parenting strategy. So that damn smart market just somehow always prices things a little bit too pricey um, and way above what it costs to actually produce those things. Anyway, so we always discuss how things cost money and... We'd be like, oh man, I wish we could buy, you know, that takeaway again. It was so nice the last time. And then we'd be like, but we can't because it was really expensive. Or we just don't have money right now. And the other day he told me, he's like, I hate that everything costs money. Except if you eat food at home. (laughs) And I was like, bruh, the food in your house is not free. You have to go buy that. 
from a shop. You have to cook that in your house that you bought or are renting. Um, and you need to use other cooking oils that you bought. <laughs> like, literally nothing is free. And then he thought about it for a while and he was like, okay, fine, you can sleep for free. And I was like, hmm, kind of, but also not really, because if you want to sleep comfortably, you have to get a bed, you know, a mattress, you have to pay for that stuff. Um, when you go sleep at night, you are wearing specifically sleep clothing, which costs money. Um, and if you just say, I'm going to go sleep wherever, you can't do that in Cape Town because they have anti-public sleeping architecture. So basically nothing is free. And maybe he's too young to know that, but it is the truth. The other truth that is not a comfortable truth is this false scarcity of resources idea that humans have to like outbid each other and outdo each other in order to get the best of life because there simply is just not enough for everyone. That scarcity is engineered scarcity. It's not a legitimate scarcity. You know, as we spoke last week, this planet is special and it's very specifically made for human survival. Um, not for human extravagance. No, no, no. That's a very different thing. There certainly isn't enough resources for human extravagance. But that's, I guess, why human extravagance should never have been the goal of society. And yet it is. The current age that I'm at now is, you know, the, the time when you're deciding where you want to work and what you want to do for at least the next few years of your life. And I don't know when last someone asked me, hey, Amara, are you happy? But people ask me all the time, what am I going to do next year? What am I studying? What's my job prospects? What's my plan? And that's not to like shame everyone for never asking me if I'm happy, because I don't do that often either. It's to just explain how every single thing is geared towards what are you going to do for money instead of what are you going to do for your soul? And that's a big issue. It's a big issue and that is why I loved Squid Game so much, because it explains the sort of absence of any choice so well. You don't have a choice but to do what you have to do for your own survival. And that survival is a system that's created. It's not survival that is natural. It's not survival that is, you know, part of the way the world is. It's part of the way the world has been made. And it's part of social constructs that we have purposely put ourselves under. But in a life and death situation, all of that is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if that survival is legitimately made or not. The point is that it exists. And when you are threatened by your own personal extinction, you will do whatever it takes to survive. And I guess that is what is scary because... You can see in this entire series how each person sort of works through this acknowledgement of I need to survive for X, Y, Z reasons and what they will do in order to be the one that survives. Pretty much every single person in the show has to, at some point, cost someone else their life. Not because it's a law of nature that, you know, there can only be one winner, it's a fake rule that obviously serves specific people. And if you're listening to this episode, then you are not those people. We are the players in this game. We are not the architects. 
And I hope if ever we were given the the chance to be an architect of this type of game, we would simply say, hell no. Because when you're watching this and when you're in this world, it's so easy, it's almost automatic to stoop down to the same morality that everyone else has. And often, you know, the reasons given will be things like you have to do what you have to do to survive or they wouldn't do the same for you. And that's pretty much exactly the way that we live, you know, mistrust everyone because they wouldn't help you if you were in need. Therefore, you shouldn't help them if they are in need. Forgetting, you know, whether you have resources to help them, whether you have sufficient time to help them, whether, you know, your own model compass tells you you should help them. Whatever those reasons are, it's just almost put aside because they wouldn't do it for you or they probably have ulterior motives and they wouldn't be appreciative. And those things almost always add like a qualifier to everything that you try and do that is to benefit someone that isn't you. Only do it if you know you'll get something back. Only do it if you know they would do the same for you. And I'm not saying be a doormat and let everyone walk all over you. Not at all. Personally, though, I do love doormats. I think they are essential, especially when you live in Joburg. And as I said earlier, it can rain at any moment. Anyway, I am not saying that you should just go along with whatever everyone else wants. But I'm saying that you should listen to what your own conscience tells you to do instead of trying to always figure out what the other person is going to do and then do something that is like on a similar level of empathy or lack of empathy. It's a weird way to live and it's pretty much the only way to keep capitalism thriving is if everyone decides no one else cares about me, therefore I don't care about anyone else. I'm just going to be this individual that doesn't live, you know, in a community that doesn't care about anyone else's well-being Um, when at the very core of what we are as human beings is a social group. When I was younger, I never had any pets. We had fish at some stage, but they didn't last very long. And also, like, you can't cuddle them, so it doesn't really feel like a pet. Anyway, I would see other people who had family pets, and I'd see how distraught they were when their pets passed away. And inevitably, they always do. And I remember thinking to myself, I would never get a pet because I just, I know that I'm going to get close to this other creature and it's going to die at some stage and I'm going to be really sad and it's probably going to die before me. And why would I, you know, purposely manufacture this environment where I know one day I'm going to be devastated. And I guess young me was dumb because I didn't realize how important and valuable that companionship is. There is, I guess, everyone knows that at some stage all of us will die and some of us will have to live without others. And that's really difficult, but it doesn't stop us from forming bonds with those people. It doesn't stop us from having some really great times with those people. Even in Squid Game, where they knew that pretty much all of them will die, they still teamed up. They still had actual human conversations and yeah some of them were a little bit reluctant to do so but here and there there were some elements of genuine conversation of genuine bonding and I guess humans can't help but do that no matter what we do we're always looking for people who can relate to what we have to say to how we feel to what we want in the world and what capitalism relies on is us 
trying to pretend like that is not the case because we all have to be in it for ourselves and we have to be willing to do whatever it takes no matter how it affects others in order for us to you know get a chance at having a good life seeing for example how some communities are trying to get government subsidized housing because they can't afford to build housing out of bricks and you know they're called entitled when all they want is to be safe and secure from the wind and the rain and other human beings that might try to rob them and where they want you know a decent place to just sleep where there aren't creatures and insects coming into their home or where they're not always scared that their home will just collapse on them one day or you know be engulfed in flames and they're told that they're entitled but they work as hard as they possibly can in a job that doesn't pay them fairly that's if they are lucky enough to have a job and if they are trying to look for a job there's costs to looking for those jobs it costs money to you know get transport to go to job interviews it costs money if you want to apply online it costs money if you want to get some more qualifications before applying for jobs basically no matter what you do it costs money and trying to make a living wage is expensive and that i guess is why squid game is so easy to watch even though it's so devastating because we all know how real it is it feels like our lives are just this cruel game where no matter what you do someone has to lose and more often than not it's you because even if you are the one that gets to survive you've lost so much in the process and very often you've lost a part of your humanity as well not always because you've done something to someone else but mostly because the conditions that you live in slowly 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 eat away at everything human about you how do you live in a society where you know that at least one person in your community will probably die from being bitten by a street rat how do you live in a community where you can't really celebrate when you're pregnant because all that that new baby represents is more costs how do you live in a society where you have to work very hard to explain to other human beings why it's not acceptable that you have to actually walk out of your home in order to use the bathroom and for women trying to use the bathroom at night means that you'll probably get raped or murdered and even after that explanation people still don't understand why your conditions are unacceptable like no matter what role you're playing in this entire messed up society your humanity is at stake every single day even as i was watching squid game i obviously grew to love jiyun and i grew to hate sangwoo because he's an absolute idiot and i did see someone on twitter asking like was i the only one that didn't hate sangwoo and yeah there's probably like five of you that didn't hate sangwoo and sangwoo himself is not even part of that five because he clearly hated himself too anyway because i hated him this much and because of all the crap things that he did there were multiple points throughout the game where i was like oh can someone just kill this guy like can he just die now i'm tired and i was almost like shocked at my reaction and i like i know that this specific series is just actors and that specific man is not going to die um 
But I felt guilty that I was like, this guy is causing so much nonsense. It would just be better if he died. Because no matter how absolutely crap he is, and he is quite crap, wishing that someone else would just kill him off is not the type of person that I want to be. And it's not the person that I am at my core. But this manufactured reality of he has to die so that other people can win was painful to be in and it kind of forces you to change who you are fundamentally because there's a very clear goal and there's a very clear way to get there and everything else is irrelevant and you can hear it throughout the series that the players themselves question why they have to go through this they often shout at the guards or just at like the roof in general and say like why are you doing this or let us out, or why Why is this game like this? Um, they never get answers. I mean, we get somewhat of an answer at the end, but to be honest, the whole point is that there is no point. There's no good reason for that to be the way that the game works. And similarly, in real life, there is no good reason for this to be the way that the world works. Um, obviously, millionaires and billionaires will tell you differently But that's because it obviously benefits them. There are way more people who are poor or barely getting by than there are millionaires and billionaires. So why do we accept this? Why? I mean, even if no one can give us a good answer, we can see the effects of the system. We can see the effects of putting ourselves against each other really does water down our humanity. And I mean, sometimes people, whenever I critique capitalism, sometimes people respond and their first thing is, well, what's the alternative? Or what should we do? Or how do we fix it? Or where to from here? And I think rushing to discuss what's next doesn't really give us the sufficient time and attention that we need to acknowledge just how bad it is now. We already ignore those who suffer and those who struggle. So let's not ignore a deep analysis of why we do that. Let's not just rush to find the next solution because honestly, we need to internalize the pain of the system to the point where we can actually devise a better one. It's not going to mean anything if we just look at the pain of capitalism as a fleeting pain because it's not fleeting. And Squid Game explains that really well. I mean, watching nine hours of it is obviously nothing compared to actually living it day to day but you can see how it affects the characters you can see how even if logically they would like to leave the alternative is going back and suffering anyways and this idea of get rich or die trying is the only real option that capitalism gives you so that's the choice that you can make that's the the wonderful wonderful freedom that you get under capitalism as i was watching squid game i think i was very taken by how proactive the police officer was And I was just like, yeah, this would never happen in South Africa. Like, nobody would try this hard to find out what was going on. Even if it was their brother that they were looking for, like, this would not be a big deal. Um, And then I realized that, you know, maybe all of us are actually the policemen in this story. Not because we're like vigilante justices, like the Texas abortion ban tries to make everyone, but because we have sufficient privilege to be able to Look at the scenario from a little bit of a distance, not because we're multimillionaires, but because we're not physically fighting for our lives right now. It is crazy, though, that 
not being in a constant state of hunger is a privilege. But this is the world that we built. And we can dismantle it and we can build something better, but we have to acknowledge just how bad it is. That mere fact is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, that we would purposely do this to the point where not being hungry is a privilege. Not starving to death is an amazing feat. We are so embedded into the system that even our critiques of it has to come from within it. We watched Squid Game on Netflix. Netflix is a corporation which does profit-seeking like every other corporation. I launched this podcast on different platforms like Spotify, like Apple Podcasts, like Google Podcasts, all of which are involved in this capitalism web. I promote my social medias because I want you guys to engage with me. But that's on Twitter and that's on Instagram. And that's part of like a bigger surveillance capitalism issue. And I wish we could live off the grid. I really, really do. But to be honest, not everyone can choose that. And until everyone can have access to the same choices, none of us should be allowed to go off the grid. I almost said off the grill, and I think that's because Squid Game has ruined calamari for me forever. Um, But I meant grid. I guess the point is that whether you watch it or not, at least watch your surroundings. You know, live critically. And not because your life has to be miserable and everything is supposed to suck, but because... Living like this fleeting life where as long as I'm happy, everything's fine is selfish. And it's actually a lot of effort to ignore the plight of others. It's much easier to just offer a lending hand wherever you can and to trust and know that people around you will do the same if you are the one that is in need. If you do end up watching Squid Game, please just keep an eye out on Cybiok aka player 67 because she is probably the most perfect human being I have ever seen in my entire life and we all deserve good things so keep an eye out on her because she's also a total badass and she is indeed the smartest person there so in my unbiased opinion you should definitely root for her and keep an eye out on the amazing things that she says and does and her thinking process and her use of her own moral conscience I just wow what a wonderful human being Also, if you are a corporation like Fenty Beauty or something, please stop trying to make memes and jokes about Squid Game. Watch the damn series first, and then you will see that it's not your place. Only us peasants can make memes and jokes about Squid Game, because you as corporations are the bad guys in this story. So, you're not part of this. You're not part of this joke, mainly because it's not a joke, and you have to know your audience, man. Also, you don't have to buy a green retro tracksuit and white vans. I heard that sales for those are, like, astronomical at the moment. Just go find a man in your local community and you surely will be playing a game. And I know earlier I said that it's weird that we have to critique capitalism from within capitalism, but I feel encouraged that these critiques are so mainstream nowadays. The fact that a series that was created, produced, filmed in Korea, in the Korean language, is widely available and is gonna be probably Netflix's most watched show. And that that film is a critique of capitalism and is resonating this much. 
I guess it means, number one, that enough of us have noticed the ills of capitalism. Enough of us care about learning more about it. Enough of us want to challenge it. And slowly but surely, enough of us are getting into the right spaces to spread those messages instead of it just being random outsiders that, you know, hate capitalism for no good reason. The way the story goes and the way the entire series ends will show you that in this system, there is no such thing as a happy ending. There is no victory. There is no celebration. There's no point where you feel relieved finally. And I guess that is probably the most accurate thing about this series. There are some fleeting moments of joy and there are some fleeting moments of happiness and humor and genuine love between the characters. There are also, like I said, some badasses. You will see one in the episode where they have to cross the glass bridge. But overall, you can tell that the entire, entire existence is pretty damn bleak. And it becomes quite obvious that the only path to victory would be to dismantle the entire system. Because too much has been lost for one, one person winning to feel like a win at all. So why not? I mean, if we could watch nine hours of that, read all the think pieces, listen to this episode, um, and still have energy to try and dismantle capitalism, then we can. And we can dismantle all other toxic systems of power as well. Patriarchy, we are coming for you next. So here's to us. And here's to hope. <laughs>